0: Hello, this is Jennifer Wolf. I'm the Executive Director of the International Association of Industrial Accident Boards and Commissions, also known as the IAIABC. And you're listening to our podcast, Accidentally, where we discuss issues and events impacting workers' compensation systems. During Accidentally, I try to ask thought provoking questions to raise awareness of emerging issues, and give my insights on workers' compensation. I hope that these podcasts make you think about work comp in a different way. You can listen or download our podcast each month at iaiabc.org podcast, or even better, subscribe to us on iTunes. recent headline news has forced conversations about diversity, racial, gender, and even age in both our personal and professional lives. It's become so common and ubiquitous that diversity and inclusion have really become management buzzwords of late. And I'm really hopeful that this is more than just a fad. I think there is a real opportunity within the workers' compensation industry to do better in this area. When we pay more than just lip service to diversity and inclusion, the industry is going to be able to better serve its stakeholders. So first, let's talk about what diversity and inclusion is and what it isn't. Diversity isn't just a one-time conversation a training program, or a nice to have. I always think of the office episode where they had diversity training. And that's what I think a lot of us think about when we have conversations about diversity. It's somebody who comes in, asks some questions, does a training, and then we set it and forget it. I've participated in conversations about recruitment on various boards and other professional opportunities. And there's always this conversation about the need to be diverse, but only if it doesn't change the process or the direction. And it's really frustrating because just repeating the same process and talking about diversity isn't going to change the outcome. If we don't make a concerted effort to be diverse, we aren't going to become diverse. If you truly want to be diverse, you have to think beyond. You have to be deliberate and you have to be able to reach outside of your current circle. If the people you're talking about diversity with look, talk, and think the same as you, you probably haven't expanded your circle enough. And this makes us all a little bit uncomfortable. We have to be prepared when it comes to diversity for discomfort, to be pushed beyond what we think we have the capacity for. And we should all be prepared to make mistakes, probably many mistakes. I think some of us, at least I will speak for my own self, We really want to engage in the conversation about diversity with people from diverse backgrounds. But we're afraid of saying or doing something that would be offensive. And so we oftentimes shy away from confronting the real challenges. And I think that it's really important that we say, yes, I'm probably going to make a mistake. And I'm probably going to say something that I don't intend to be offensive, but probably may be taken. And as long as we're willing to admit that we don't know, and that we thoughtfully listen to the criticism and the critique, we're going to grow. And that's a really important, valuable step in becoming and embracing diversity. Another thing we need to think about when we're discussing diversity is it's not just about the outward. It's not just about race and gender or age. Diversity also should be about the way they think and about their experiences. It is easier than ever to live within our own silos. I mean, we talk and see this discussed a lot. And it's not just on social media, but it's even within our own communities. I don't know how many times people have joked with me when they find out that I live in Madison about Madisonians being, you know, 70 square miles of la-la land surrounded by reality. But the more that we are open to other ideologies, other religions, political affiliations, educational backgrounds, the richer our conversations and the more robust our business strategies are going to be. Another thing we need to think about is that diversity and inclusion are not the same and they're not mutually exclusive. You can have diversity without inclusion and vice versa. For a business to truly capitalize on diversity, the culture of their organization must also be inclusive. And that means that everyone within your organizations, no matter what their role, no matter what their background, they need to be able to feel comfortable voicing their perspective, voicing their perspective and openly sharing with colleagues, with supervisors, with managers, with everyone throughout the organization. And this isn't as easy as it sounds, Too often in a work environment, our goal is to fit in and to not make waves, to go along with your colleagues and supervisors and managers. But to be an environment that is truly inclusive is to be a place where everyone feels safe expressing dissent or a difference of opinion. This is a lesson that I have learned, and I've learned kind of the hard way. Uh, I used to think that the sign of a good meeting was when it went smoothly, when the outcome was almost predetermined and pre-vetted, and there were few disagreements, and everything just went smoothly. But through the years, I've realized that that's the wrong approach. And that is certainly not an approach that is embracing of inclusion. If you don't have discussion, debate, or dissension, you probably don't need the meeting. So, your job as a leader within an organization, in terms of speaking to diversity and inclusion, is to make sure you keep asking questions, to be relentless. If everyone starts from a position of agreement, you probably aren't ready to make the decision, launch the product, or move forward. Everyone agreeing on something means maybe you haven't thought of all of the angles. And as a leader, I think one of the most important things is that your mind above all else has to be open. Everyone in your organization is going to come to the table with their own opinion, their own perspective, and frankly, their own desired outcome. Sometimes that might be selfish on their part. But we cannot be so focused on winning and getting our way that we shut down the valuable debate. We have to be open to having our minds changed. I think that's really a key to inclusion. Inclusiveness could very well save the lives of your employees. I remember the story of a young man who suffered a life-altering work injury when he was very young. He was new to a crew, and he thought what the crew was doing was unsafe, but he didn't feel comfortable speaking up. And so what happened was he ended up suffering third-degree burns on 90% of his body. His life was altered in ways that we can't even imagine because he didn't feel like his views would be respected or accepted. And that is truly at the heart of inclusion. It's about challenging our own biases And truly having an environment where we reflect and engage and incorporate the views of everyone on our team. So the more that organizations embrace diversity, the better equipped they're going to be to serve a diverse clientele. Businesses and organizations that serve the work comp industry have a lot of different tools at their disposal to create meaningful change around this topic. Here are just a couple of ways that I think the industry could start to make some small change. First, we need to ask more questions and do more listening. It can be easy to do all of the talking, and I'm speaking from experience here. I think my staff would say that I tend to dominate conversations, but it's really important, and I'm trying to be better at this, to create an environment where you're asking questions and where everyone feels comfortable sharing and you're doing more listening than talking. This means that we have to ask questions, lots and lots of them, and learn how to actively listen. When you listen and incorporate feedback, it encourages future engagement. So the rewards reap themselves. We have to rethink our recruiting and hiring practices. We have to look beyond traditional recruiting tools and go where the diversity is. Some ways to think about this are recruiting at historically black or Latino colleges, to go speak with women in business groups, to have outreach to ethnic community groups, to go where people don't necessarily look or act or think like you. It may also be valuable to rethink our educational and experience requirements. I know that retaining entry-level claims talent has been especially challenging for the work comp industry. And there are some organizations that are now, instead of requiring college degrees, they are starting to recruit at the high school level and training them on the job. There are lots of industry conferences and there are a lot of panels and there are a lot of panels with all old white men. Sorry to put it so bluntly. But when we are shaping educational programs, let's look, let's host more programs that are diverse. That look a lot more like the talent we want to attract and the stakeholders we are serving. Instead of just the same old same old It's also really important to identify opportunities both within our organizations and outside of our organizations that help employees develop a community and a platform for engagement. This may be especially valuable if your organization is still becoming more diverse. So give your employees examples and opportunities to engage with people that maybe do look more like themselves. Some examples of this within the work comp industry are getting your female employees involved in associations like the Alliance of Women in Workers' Comp, or perhaps having your younger employees be recognized in the IAIABC Next Gen Initiative. Helping employees feel like they do have a place of belonging is really a meaningful step in creating a positive culture within an organization. And lastly, diversity means political diversity as well. Again, I live in Madison and I say often to people that Madison is a bit like La La Land. And... Even though we don't want workers' compensation to be political, the reality is that it is political by nature. And when there is little to no political diversity within an organization or within a conference, it results in an imbalance in the system. So workers' compensation is a system that's working to maintain this fragile balance between employees and employers. And in order to do that, we have to consider and engage with all political points of view. The bottom line is the workers' compensation industry can't just talk about diversity and inclusion. It has to become ingrained a part of our culture. And if we are successful in ingraining that as a part of our culture within an organization and within the industry, we're going to be more innovative and we're ultimately going to be able to serve the stakeholders, employers, and employers more successfully. So thanks for listening to Accidentally the IAIABC's podcast series. You can find past episodes at IAIABC.org or subscribe to us on iTunes. I look forward to talking with you soon. Cheers, Jen.